0: I want you to hit me as hard as you can. Alex Proyas, the Crow, suffered one of the most infamously doomed and ill-fated productions of all time. After spending more than a decade honing his craft and developing a distinct visual style across several music video productions, Proyas finally decided to make the leap to feature filmmaking in 1993. For his debut feature, he chose to adapt James O'Barr's celebrated comic series, The Crow, a broodingly dark, extremely violent, and gothic take on the superhero subgenre. Little did Proyas know that the experience would end up being one of the most difficult times in his life, both personally and professionally. Not only did the rising star of the film, Brandon Lee, accidentally fall victim to a fatal gunshot wound while filming, but several other production mishaps and physical injuries took place on set as well. Paramount Pictures even shut the film down and abandoned the project following Lee's death, where the project languished until a new company was formed to continue financing. Yet despite the unthinkable tragedy that cursed the entire production, The Crow has gone on to become one of the most financially successful and beloved cult movies ever made. How could this occur? How could a first-time filmmaker overcome such a plague production? Given the circumstances, how could the movie turn out as good as it did? And most importantly, what the f*** happened to this movie? Set in Detroit during Devil's Night on October 30th, The Crow revolves around Eric Draven, a morbid and edgy rock musician who is brutally murdered by a gang of ruthless thugs while his one true love, Shelly, is savagely raped and beaten to death before his very eyes. One year later, Eric is reanimated from the grave by a symbolic crow, itself a sign of death and transformation, which ferries Eric toward the evil street gang that took his life and that of his beloved fiance. With cold-blooded vengeance in his heart and mind, Draven violently stalks the streets in search of richly deserved retribution. In the end, a soulful, heroic vigilante is born. Equipped with an initial estimated budget of $15 million, Proyas and fellow producers opted to film The Crow in Wilmington, North Carolina, rather than Detroit, where the story takes place. This was done as a cost-cutting measure and a means to skirt Hollywood Union rules and guidelines. At the time, North Carolina had a right-to-work state policy, which means producers were able to cut corners, pay fewer wages, and work longer hours under harsher conditions. All of which would have been outlawed by the unionized laws that filming in Hollywood would impose. While financially prudent, this decision proved far costlier than anyone could have foreseen. As a result of the lenient laws in North Carolina, Proyas and crew often began filming outdoors and all throughout the night. Unfortunately, a hurricane ripped through the outdoor sets that were built, destroying the facilities entirely. In panicked desperation, Prayas and crew transported the production indoors, but did so without altering the shooting schedule. This instantly put an extra time crunch on the production, forcing them to scramble around and rush principal photography. When filming began in the winter of 1993. The weather outside was so frigid that riggers hidden outside of the frame had to thaw out the frozen camera dolly tracks with blowtorches. Moving the production inside proved to be just as challenging. Another reason for the harried and frenetic production may stem from a report by Empire Magazine at the time. Widespread cocaine use plagued the set, much to the chagrin of star Brandon Lee. Cameramen and various crew members were recalled as working high and taking interrupted breaks to the bathroom to snort lines of coke. While the veracity of these reports may be refuted, the wild, volatile, and unsafe production is consistent with drug-addled behavior. Unfortunately, everything on the crow began falling apart on day one. On the first day of photography in Wilmington, tragedy struck in a way that would seem to foretell a cursed production. The initial harbinger came when a carpenter accidentally drove a crane into a live power line, resulting in severe burns on the man's torso. Eerily, this was just the first in a series of fateful mishaps on set. Just days after the carpenter was burned, another crew member accidentally suffered a grave injury when a screwdriver impaled his hand. Later on, a production truck inexplicably burst into flames. Subsequent reports of injurious mishaps include a rigger accidentally electrocuting himself, as well as a stuntman cracking several ribs after falling through the roof on a poorly executed stunt. In addition, an aggrieved sculptor became so incensed on set for whatever reason that he maniacally drove his car through a production room, obliterating all of the props from the film in the process. But before we get into the fatal tragedy of Brandon Lee, it's worth noting how comic creator James Obar initially resisted casting Lee in the first place. O'Barr had concerns that Lee, whose only Hollywood credit at the time was the action film Showdown in Little Tokyo, would cheapen The Crow into a kung fu movie and be released straight to video. In fact, O'Barr originally wanted Johnny Depp to play the role of Eric Draven. As for Lee himself, He reportedly had a morbid obsession with death while on set. He would often drive around in a hearse in his spare time, frequent gravesites, and listen to the macabre music of The Doors. At one point during filming, co-star John Polito told Lee an airy premonition that he had on set. While filming a scene that takes place at roughly 26 minutes into the film, Lee was required to break through a pane of glass in Gideon's pawn shop. When Lee was accidentally cut from the so-called harmless breakaway glass, Polito voiced his concern to Lee, saying that he feared Lee would die on set, much like Vic Morrow did on The Twilight Zone. Freakishly and unfortunately, Polito's premonition proved to be true. On March 31, 1993, Brandon Lee died from an accidental gunshot wound he sustained while filming one of the final scenes for The Crow. The fatal accident took place at EUE Screen Jam Studios in Wilmington. Before we get into the specifics of Lee's shocking death, it's important to contextualize the scene during which the accident occurred. In the sequence, Eric Draven returns home to find his fiancée Shelly being brutally raped and beaten to death. As Eric makes a move to rescue her, the villain Funboy, played by Michael Massey, points and fires a 44 Magnum Model 629 revolver directly at him. Somehow, the same prop gun used in the filming of the previous scene was improperly calibrated before reuse in Lee's final take. Due to the nature of the previous scene, which required close-up shots of the firearm, inert dummy cartridges were aligned with bullets, minus the gunpowder or primer required to fire a charge. This was done to make the close-up shots of the revolver far more realistic than if blank rounds were used due to the arms master leaving set for the day the prop master took the same gun and failed to properly prepare it for the next shot instead of using professional dummy cartridges the props team cut corners by creating their own by yanking bullets from live rounds releasing the powder primer charge before reinserting the bullets back into the firearm. Unfortunately, the props team didn't realize they failed to remove the live percussion cap from the back of the cartridge. Before using the firearm in Lee's final scene, the makeshift dummy cartridges were replaced with blanks. This would seem to make sense considering the shot of Lee doesn't require a close-up, but rather 12 to 15 feet of distance from the barrel of the gun to Lee's body unconscionably, the barrel of the gun was not checked when the blanks were loaded prior to filming Lee's final shot. As a result, the bullet trapped in the back of the cartridge was fired with the same force of a live round, causing the bullet to fire directly into Lee's abdomen when Funboy shoots him in the apartment. Lee was instantly rushed to a nearby hospital in Wilmington, where he fought for his life for over six hours. Lee was ultimately pronounced dead at 1.03pm on March 31st, 1993. He was just 28 years old, and his death was ruled an accident. What makes Lee's death all the more tragic is how the ill-fated scene was scripted differently in the original version of the screenplay written by David S. Shaw and John Shirley. Initially, Funboy was not meant to shoot Eric with a gun at all. Yet for whatever reason, the script was changed at the last minute by director Alex Proyas However, if anything good can be gleaned from the situation, it's that many have argued that in the wake of Lee's tragedy, the industry standard regarding gun safety has shifted dramatically. Nowadays, firearms are not generally permitted to be aimed directly at a character while filming and must use trick angles and optical illusions to achieve such. Immediately following Lee's death, Paramount Pictures shut down the production and abandoned the film entirely. As a result, Entertainment Media Investment Corporation was created with the sole purpose of purchasing the film and funding its completion. Miramax ultimately acquired the film and injected an additional $8 million to the budget, bringing the final price tag to $23 million so that the production could be completed. Since Lee had already wrapped most of his scenes prior to his fatal tragedy, producers felt confident that they could finish the film in post-production with CG augmentation and visual effects. However, even that proved far more difficult than originally planned. The first major challenge Proyas and crew faced when filming replacement scenes for Lee include a physical mask of the fallen actor's face. A replica of Lee's visage as Draven was molded into a mask, which producers intended to place on Lee's body double, and filmed the outstanding scenes that way. As you might imagine, Cast and crew members became deeply unnerved by the sight of the mask and other measures were needed to continue filming. The mask was demolished and digital methods were used instead. As for the psychological effects, fumboy actor Michael Massey was so distraught over accidentally firing the gun that took Lee's life that he quit acting for a full year following the accident. In 2005, Massey went on record saying that he still suffers severe nightmares over what happened on the set of The Crow. In 2016, Massey confessed that he's still never seen the film. Chronologically speaking, the first scene Proyas directed following Lee's death takes place as Draven exhumes his own body from the grave and returns to his apartment. Digitally rendered footage of Lee walking through an alley in the rain and past a doorway was created to complete the scene. Next, the shot of Draven descending from the window was achieved by digitally compositing an image of Lee's face over that of a body double. Perhaps the most complicated visual effect Proyas and crew were faced with involved the shot of Draven applying his own makeup into a cracked mirror. In order to get the shot, computer-altered imagery of Lee's face was digitally imposed over the broken shards of glass. For the shot of Draven nearing the window moments later, a body double was used with Lee's face superimposed over the double as the strobes of lightning flicker. The final replacement shot occurs when Sarah visits Draven's apartment. The image of Draven is that of a stunt double, who keeps his face entirely shrouded from the camera. While these technological methods may seem routine nowadays, they were groundbreaking achievements back in 1993. Without them, there's a good chance The Crow would have far less success. Speaking of success, The Crow was eventually released in North American theaters on May 13, 1994. Despite the tragic and tumultuous production, the film opened number one at the domestic box office, earning more than $11.7 million the first weekend. The film played on over 1,500 screens, earning roughly $7,500 per screen. All told, The Crow earned over $50 million in U.S. ticket sales, more than doubling its estimated budget of $23 million. For context, The Crow was the 24th highest grossing film of 1994 and the 10th highest grossing rated R film of the year. The film also made an additional $1.5 million or so in Europe. In terms of critical mass, The Crow became an instant cult classic, with many loyal fans expressing how Brandon Lee's death lingers over the film as the immortal soul of the piece. It's been said that the film retains an ethereal quality due to Lee's spiritual performance. The film currently has an 82% rating on Rotten Tomatoes and a 71 out of 100 Metascore rating. The movie was lauded for its distinct visual style, trailblazing effects work, non-stop action, and brooding comic book tableau. Cinematographer Darius Wolski was hailed for his use of light, shadow, and pared-down color palette. Originally. It was reported that Proyas wanted to shoot the film in black and white to honor the comics as faithfully as possible, only using color to denote Draven's flashback sequences, but producers scrapped the idea early on. As a result, Wolski's film noir techniques, chiaroscuro lighting, and gothic sensibilities were done by shooting in monochrome mixed with blood reds and dark grays. The film was also praised for its foreboding and multi textured production design by Alex McDowell in just his second feature film. The ominous cityscape McDowell created remains one of the most extolled aspects of the film, and a feat that would lead McDowell to work on other iconic cult classics such as Fight Club and Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. McDowell also reprised his role for the sequel to The Crow, The Crow 2, City of Angels. But before we launch into the sequels, allow us to highlight the awards and honors bestowed upon The Crow following its release. First off, Brandon Lee won a posthumous Chainsaw Fangoria Award for Best Actor. He was also nominated for an MTV Award, as well as the Film for Best Movie. Stone Temple Pilots earned a Best Song Award for Big Empty, used in the film. Additionally, film composer Graham Reville won a BMI Film Music Award for his work on The Crow. The film was also nominated for four Saturn Awards, including nods for Best Horror Film, Best Director, Best Costumes, and Best Special Effects. Of course, given the critical and commercial success of The Crow, a franchise sequel was all but inevitable. In August of 1996, a follow-up entitled The Crow, City of Angels was released. Tim Pope directed the film from a script written by David S. Goyer. Vincent Perez played Ash Corvin, aka The Crow. The only character that was reprised in the sequel was Sarah played by Mia Kirshner, replacing Rochelle Davis. In 1998, a Canadian television series called The Crow, Stairway to Heaven, was released, starring another martial arts phenom, Mark Dacascos, and lasting for 22 episodes. In 2000, a second feature film sequel entitled The Crow, Salvation, was released straight to video. The film drew tepid reviews, despite boasting a cast that included Kirsten Dunst, Fred Ward, and Eric Mabius. In 2005, a third sequel entitled The Crow, Wicked Prayer, was released, starring Terminator 2, Judgment Day's Edward Furlong in the title role, with a supporting cast that included Tara Reid, David Boreanaz, and Danny Trejo. Despite being the worst reviewed film of the series, it played theatrically for one week in Seattle before being yanked from circulation and released on video. While the franchise has been dormant for 15 years, several plans for a remake have been proposed as far back as 2008. Blade director Steven Norrington was originally attached to helm the remake, but left the project in 2009. In 2011, it was announced that 28 weeks later director Juan Carlos Fresnadillo, had replaced Norrington to helm the Crow remake, with Bradley Cooper attached to the star as Eric Draven. However, due to a legal babble, the project languished further, going through several casting changes along the way with Ryan Gosling and James McAvoy among those considered to play the role. In 2012, producer Edward R. Pressman announced Brazilian director Francisco Javier Gutierrez would remake The Crow. At the time, James O'Barr decried the decision to remake the movie with any director at any cost, claiming that nobody could ever eclipse what Lee and Proyas achieved in 1993. In 2013, Tom Hiddleston was announced as the next to stars Draven. A month later, Hiddleston was out and Luke Evans was declared the next actor to play The Crow. Soon after, Gutierrez left the project and Evans moved on as well. In 2014, English filmmaker Karen Hardy was hired to direct the remake and remained attached to the film until 2018, going through several casting decisions in the process. In 2018, it was announced that future Aquaman, Jason Momoa, was in line to star as Eric Draven. However, in May of that same year, both Hardy and Momoa officially left the project due to creative and budgetary reasons. As of January 2020, plans for a remake continued to be on hold. The Crow soared to great acclaim despite the woefully cursed production history, overcoming a modest budget, creative differences between producers and filmmakers, a rushed production, inclement weather, unsafe work environments, several onset mishaps and grave physical accidents, and of course, the sad and shocking death of its leading star, Brandon Lee. Completing the film in the wake of Lee's death was a great challenge for director Alex Proyas and his visual effects team, yet in spite of the unthinkable difficulties, The Crow has gone on to become one of the most successful cult classics ever assembled, and eerily, or ironically enough, has yet to find a follow-up worthy of the original. Perhaps it's best left in the grave, where we can continue to revisit rather than tarnish the memory of its lasting legacy.